Bibles, we're in Ephesians 4. We've been in Ephesians 4 and 5. We're going <clears> to <throat> we're going to take a look at it again today. But I remember singing that song as a young young brand new Pentecostal. Now this song goes way back, but they were singing it as an old hymn when I was a boy. <laughs> And, uh, oh, my goodness, this is one. I had a grandpa that could play uh, piano by ear. And, oh, he could uh, bless your heart. And he was one of the great people in my life. And uh, that was one of the songs that he loved. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> We're going to um, do a little bit of, uh, of review here. Um, so that we can look at two basic things. The first one is that Ephesians is about the church. Everybody say the church and how the church is to function. Now, there's all kinds of churches and all kinds of beliefs in, in the world. We're what we call a Bible-believing church. In other words, we believe that if the Bible says it, then that's it. It's true. Whatever the Bible says. We don't say, well, they didn't walk on. He didn't walk on water because that's impossible. We say somehow he did the impossible. So we got to deal with that part of it. All right. So we're Bible believing church. And the important thing is what the Bible says about the church and how the church is to live. And so the first thing is that there in order for the church to be what God intends for it to be, there must be uh, unity. Everybody say unity. All right. So unity involves a lot of things. But in Ephesians chapter four, the thing that unity demands, in other words, there cannot be unity without holiness. Holiness is what brings about the unity of the spirit. The holiness of God brings about a unity around which now people can unify around uh, all kinds of things. But when you unify around righteousness, and you long for righteousness. Well, then that that changes the whole picture. Now, we're going to we're going to kind of walk through a couple things to review, because uh, while we're looking at chapters four and five and we're almost done. But uh, and then, of course, we've already been talking a little bit about six and putting on the armor of God. So we'll be we'll be done in just a just a very short, probably before the revival starts, we'll be completely done with Ephesians. So the first thing, of course, is that the. The great symbol of the church is that it is the bride. Everybody say the bride. And so that when you think of that theme, that the church is, belongs to him, he's going to present it to himself like we show here in Ephesians 5, 27, which is sort of a theme for the whole last three chap chapters, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. And, and not just in the King James language, but... Let's think of it in terms of the bride, a pure bride, a faithful bride. What 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 man would. Well, OK, let's start with that. What man would walk down the aisle with a woman that said, I hate his guts. I mean, I'm not supposed to say, oh, uh, sorry about that. Uh, let me say it another way. Uh, he is a monster. If a woman was saying that about the man, would he want to walk down the aisle? No, it takes what? It takes a desire 
for there to be a union between the two. You understand that is, of course, the point of unity, that unity of the church is to find the will of God. That's why if you abandon righteousness, you are not you are not in unity with God. It'd be like walking. We've already said this, like going down the aisle in a, uh, a, a tarnished uh dress or so forth. All right, let's go to the next slide because Ephesians 2 uh, picks up on the theme of holiness, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Everyone say the course of this world. Let me grab this. So, so here, we're just going to quickly uh, look at the highlights here. We walked according to the course of this world. In other words, when you become the bride of Christ, you're no longer walking the way the world walks. You change. You've got to change. And people that don't change are not walking with God. If people say, well, I live like a devil, but I'm an angel, that's not true. No, let's get, if you're living like a devil, you're a devil. That, that's, now, you may not be an actual devil. A devil is a demon. I get that. But if you're living like a devil, you're not an angel. See, that's, that's only in modern day. In our world, you can, uh, we're in a crazy mixed up world. Okay, now let's go to the next slide. We're just kind of reviewing here. And in chapter 2, it continues on. And I'm using here the ESV, so notice that. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure. I, I, this is one of the more gnarly verses to translate, so I'm using the ESV. <clears throat> the King James is awesome, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm not going to uh, walk through it in the King James because of several phrases that we're going to unwind here by using the ESV, the whole structure that is the church being joined together grows. Everybody say grows. And see, and that's my point today. This, the, whole, the whole point of chapter 4 and 5, of course, we're in 2 here, but this is all pointing to those chapters, is that we're, we grow into a what? A holy temple. The church becomes a holy temple becomes a holy place. You can't have a church full of ungodly, unholy people and be a holy. Folks, it just it's not possible. All right. So in the Lord, in him, uh, you also are being built together in, into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. Now, how many of you know now you don't have to run and you don't have to shout and dance. I realize it's early, but there are a lot of churches where you cannot feel the presence of God. Lots of places. I have people come here almost every week and they say, well, I go to a church, but I've never I don't you know, they don't speak in tongues or they don't. We, it's kind of dead or something like that. And I'm, I've never been there. I'm not judging their church. They're telling me that. But what I'm trying to say is that we're living in a world where people are content to be something other than what they were called to be. We're supposed to be holy and we're supposed to have the spirit moving. And if you have the spirit moving, you will be holy. All right, so that's, of course, that's true, and that's just uh, extra there. Now, let's go, uh, let's go to the next slide, <clears throat> and uh, let's, uh, well, we need to read it. Now we're actually in chapter 4, because today we're going to conclude this, this uh, look at the relationship of unity to holiness, because we want to move on to the relationship of holiness to growth. Everybody say growth, all right, which we just looked at a verse, but. We're going to look at it a little more deeply. So then it says walk worthy. Everybody say worthy. You see that? Walk worthy. You see that key there? That key that's going in the, in the lock? Walk worthy. And so it is. The child of God is to live a worthy life. You should not be living an unworthy life. 
all the cursing and the violence. Let me tell you this, okay? If you wonder where I what I believe, Hollywood is the most ungodly mess in the history of the world. Rome, Greece, Babylon, no culture has ever seen a more wicked, more wickedness than what we call modern-day Hollywood. I don't mean the city over there in California either. It's not worthy of Christians. It's not worthy of Christians. There needs to be, you need to guard yourself and your family against the unworthy mess that Hollywood is putting out. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called with all lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to what? Keep the unity of the spirit. What you're to endeavor to do is to not please Hollywood, not please some man, but to, to keep the unity of the spirit. Praise God. Lord, I just, I just want to be in the unity of the spirit. Praise God in the bond of peace. Of course, we've already looked at that, so let's go on. Uh, let's skip the next one because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm able to see if they're, if they're ahead of me. All right. So uh, let's skip that one. Uh, we don't have to. This is, that would not be review. All right. Till we all come in. This is verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. In other words, the purpose of the church is for us to grow or come into or develop, or be built up into. All these expressions mean that the church is becoming more and more like Jesus. Anybody want to be more and more like the Lord? That's what it's all about. <clears throat> Till we all come in the unity of the faith, of the knowledge, Son of God, and a perfect man. Everybody say, a perfect man. <laughs> I can just see you squirming. I, mean, I can't see you squirming, but I mean, I can, I can just see it in my mind's eye. Oh, Brother French thinks we're supposed to be perfect. You know what we're living? You know the culture that we're living in says nobody can do right. Nobody can do right. Everybody's as vile as the next one. You'd be surprised how many people in our current culture. There used to be respect for ministry. And I, I'm, not, I'm not moaning and groaning here because I'm treated very, very well. I'm not complaining. But there used to be a day when uh, you wouldn't see a church getting graffiti on it. You wouldn't see a church broke into. You wouldn't see a minister disrespected. But we're living in a day when that's all gone. See, that's gone. If someone's doing it, they're respecting me or the ministry. Either they're Christians or they have some memory of what is right and they just can't bring themselves to. Uh, I'm going to say something else. I, I really, I don't, I really feel the Holy Ghost. I'm just trying not to get too emotional. But, uh, can I say this and you bear it since I'm teaching you today? Uh, there is nothing to be gained by disrespecting people of other faiths, no matter what it is. Listen, no, no, you need to listen to me. The fact I'm going to do this. See, I'm, that means I'm being I'm playing dad here. All right. I am not a Muslim. I'm not a Muslim. How many are shocked that I'm not a Muslim? Anybody here shocked that I am not a Muslim? All right. I'm not a Muslim. I'm a Pentecostal. I have no reason whatsoever to disrespect a Buddhist. I have no reason to disrespect them. Now, we're in a culture that says you can't disagree. That's disrespect. Well, there's where we part ways. That used to be called freedom of speech, which we are rapidly losing. And religious freedom as well. America's in deep trouble, but God can help us. Anybody believe God can help us? Cry out in your time of need. God will help us. Hallelujah. All right. So it is. 
that uh, when I dis listen, when I disrespect a now listen to me, you're not you're, you're going to miss what I'm saying. If I disrespect a Catholic priest because he wears a collar and a robe and takes incense down the aisle like this and and believes in the Pope and kisses his ring. And then I go and disrespect him as though the fact that he's different from me means I can disrespect him. That means you can disrespect me. That's what it means. See, disrespect comes from a heart of disrespect. Therefore, no Christian ought to be disrespecting people of other faiths. By the way, many people of other faiths are trying they're reaching, they're trying. That Listen, no, you listen to this preacher. If you were raised in a place where you worshipped a little statue and your mother worshipped it every day you lived and you walked in and someone said, that's an idol, you can't worship that idol. You'd say, oh, my mother worshipped that idol. See, it changes everything. So I'm not going to disrespect them. Now, I will say that idol I'll take the Bible and say, that idol, let me explain why I don't worship that idol. That idol is uh, just a statue. No, it's not that. My mother, no, no, it's really just a statue. But the fact that your mother worshipped meant she believed there was a God. So you go there. You don't, disrespect takes you nowhere. You need to get down to it. You can say, okay, you're worshiping Buddha or you're worshiping whatever you're worshiping. And so now let me talk to you about what that means. That means you're trying to find God. So I'm, I'm trying to find God. Let me talk about that. Praise God. For example, some years ago, I was invited to speak to about 50 Muslims at a, at a meeting. And then I was told they were, they, the main reason they wanted me to come was because they hated Pentecostals. And they wanted to make a fool of me. And they had other words for it, but that's what basically they were doing. They wanted to make fun of me because I was a stupid tongue talker. And uh, so I, I went in, and I don't know what they thought. I know what I thought. I had never taught Muslims before. I mean, I'd have a room full of Muslims at a university. I'd never been, I'd never experienced it. So when I walked into the room, and I already knew they were going to be belligerent, they were going to make fun of me. And so I immediately launched into uh, a discussion of a miracle that God had, uh, our son had been very, very sick, had cancer. God had touched him. And I began to talk about it. I never said a word about being a Pentecostal. I said, uh, see, that's my faith. My faith is that God can do anything. That's my faith. That's what I believe. God can heal. That's why some people call me a Pentecostal because in the Bible they healed and they prayed and people were healed. And I began to talk about the name of Jesus being so powerful that when you and it, it just went from that. The next thing you know, they were raising their hands. I'm talking about a room full of Muslims. You mean uh, you, you, you know somebody that was, couldn't walk? In the, yes, I know someone that was blind and couldn't see and got healed there. Woo, I never, and we were in the middle of a major conversation before I ever said, and by the way, I talk in tongues every single day. See, they could believe that maybe healing took place, but they had a hard time believing that I, of course, the fact that I had a, 
you know, a degree in ancient language and knew several languages. And I said, now I teach languages. And they knew, I said, I teach right over here at this college. And I travel, I fly to Indianapolis every weekend. I teach uh, in language there. I teach Hebrew and so on. But I said, so I know how language works, but I can, I can tell you right now, I speak in tongues that I do not know what they are. They're a heavenly language. It's, a, it's God moving the same way. If I speak, because I don't speak Russian, but I was going to say if, if I speak Russian, I don't speak Russian, but if I, let's say, if I speak uh, Latin, which is the base for Italian, if I speak Latin, uh, then I've learned it, but it's still a unique way that you form words and so forth. And if you write it, it's unique, unique ways of writing it. And so it is. Respecting. Now, I could have said all of that, and they could have said, I, you're the dumbest man, you're the dumbest person, you're the most fake person I ever met. They could have said that. Would that give me a right to disrespect them? Now, to me, that would be disrespectful. If I met someone who I disagreed with and said, you're a fake, you're a big fake, would that be respectful? It doesn't sound very respectful to me. Now, if someone is a fake and you're trying to help them, you could say, listen, okay, we need to deal with this. Lots of people. Someone said, I love my wife, but I'm cheating on her. No, you're, don't, you are a, oh, oh, sit down. You are a liar. We need to deal with this. You are fooling yourself. See what I'm saying? You can help people, but disrespecting folks. Let me tell you something, friend. There's something about the truth that draws you to love. When you love something, it changes everything. Let's just lift our hands and thank God for the truth. Father, thank you for the truth. Thank you for what you've done in us, for helping us to become what we should be. And, of course, what we want to be is more and more, more and more like you. All right. That, that, uh, verse 13 that we henceforth, uh, is, that can't be 13 as well. Brother Finch, uh, I don't want to have to turn. Look and see if that's 14. I've typed in 13, but let's tell me that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Everyone say no more children. Don't be a, we, nowadays we say don't be a baby. Okay, I think we can go back. Uh, I'm still, <laughs> yeah, I'm back at the, is that verse 14? Okay, I'm sorry about that. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. See, that's, that's very interesting, but I need to continue. Let's, let's go on. Uh, uh, by the slight of men, the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie, to, uh, lie in wait to deceive. All right, so it is. Let's, let's just leave that there. We've already talked. About, okay, thank you. Now we'll go to the next slide. And uh, here we come to, um, hold on, I want to see if that, okay, yeah, this is the last slide. Now we're, now we're caught up. So I'm reading now from the New Living Translation, and that's what's here. That's what you're looking at. We will speak the truth. Everyone say the truth. I have no right. Now, listen, listen to me. I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, folks, I, I don't care. I'm, 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 I'm not telling people, oh, you can go to heaven if you just are sincere. That, that's not true. I'm not going to tell you to say to someone, well, you're lying and cheating and, and carousing. But as long as you're sincere and, and nice and you, and you help the uh, little dog get off the corner there. Uh, no, no, I think it's great you help the little dog and that's wonderful. But, but that's not going to get you to heaven. All the, some people think they're going to give to the church 
and that's going to get him to heaven. Well, I'm not lying to you. You could give every dime you got to the church and not go to heaven. You, you, I cannot tell someone it, this, listen to me. I cannot say to someone, I know I need to hurry. I, I, <laughs> I can't say to someone, it doesn't matter how you're baptized. Someone said, well, I was baptized. Oh, that, that, okay, fine. It doesn't, doesn't matter how you're baptized. Oh, I was baptized in banana pudding. That, well, that wouldn't be very uh, helpful. I, I'm being a little crazy there, but what I'm trying to say is, that I cannot say to someone, oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, many, many people I meet say, I have the Holy Ghost. And I say, oh, you speak in tongues. Well, oh, no, no, I've never spoken in tongues. Well, then how do you know that you have the Holy Ghost? Well, because, and then they, I, there's all kinds of reasons they think they have the Holy Ghost. And then I will say, well, based upon the, the word of God, then you still could receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I make it very clear. For example, if someone says, I came to God as a boy and, I, and my life changed, the Spirit helped them do that. And the Spirit of God is with them. But there is a thing called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit coming in and taking over. And then when that happens, you will speak. But by the way, there are many, many, many people today who are open to the baptism of the Holy Ghost that were not open years ago. But suddenly that we're in a world where people are opening their minds. Now someone said, oh, wait, that's horrible. No, it's not horrible. People are suddenly to a place where they're able to say, well, maybe it's true. Maybe it's true that people can speak. But I can't tell someone, well, you, well, you may have the Holy Ghost with never spoken tongues. No, if you have the Holy Ghost... You will speak in tongues. And what I always tell people is, you're going to speak in tongues. The Lord's word, I can see the Holy Ghost all over you. And sometimes, I was in a, a, a Bible study some time ago, and they were smoking cigars. Lord, forgive me for bringing this up. <laughs> Sister French, you need to, uh, you need to go check. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, they were smoking cigars. Well, I have a hard time. I was raised in a you know, smoking family, but, but it's been many, many years. And cigarette smoke even bothers me. But cigars, I'm talking a room full of them. And I never said a word except, could you open that window a little bit? <laughs> could you... Prop that window. <laughs> I was a, I, oh, I'm going to die for Jesus right here. And so, uh, and, and I'm teaching, and I, it, we were like way in something you'd never think it would happen. And, and I told him, I said, you know, here's the way it's going to happen. I'm not going to be pushy. I'm just going to teach you the Bible. It's your, you do whatever you feel. And I looked up, I'll never forget it. And I, I was sitting there, and I looked up at them, and they were, they had their beer and their cigars and, and, uh, and I looked up and I said, man, did you feel that? And the, the guy said, yeah, what, what, what's going on? I said, you just felt the Holy Ghost. The Holy, that was the Holy Ghost. I felt it. You felt it. Because we're talking about, I think we're talking about it, whatever it was, uh, Moses going across the Red Sea, whatever. And, and the Spirit of the Lord just swept in there. 
I mean, it wasn't, you know, wasn't a very likely, now thank God they did get the Holy Ghost, but it wasn't a very likely place for somebody to feel the presence of God. But I want to tell you, friend, you have no right to tell somebody they have something that they don't have. You have no right to tell people they're saved unless they obey the word of God. Now, I do get criticized. I'll have preachers say, now, Reverend French, I like you. I like you, Pentecost. You go, I love your church. But you have no right to tell people they have to be baptized. I said, I have every right in the world to say they have to be baptized. You can't tell people how they have to be baptized. I said, I certainly can. It's a free country. I have a, it's a free country. And if it were communist America, I would still preach, repent, and be baptized. I'd still preach it. Woo! Hallelujah. Okay, that's good. I need to try to stay calm. It's just a Bible lesson. Now let's go to the next um, to the next verse, and that's verse 17. This I say, therefore, what, hold on. Oh, we're good. All right, verse 17, walk not as other Gentiles walk. Now, we're back to the question of how the bride is to live, and, of course, that's they're to live holy. Not in vanity, and that's the key word. That's why there's a little arrow there, which means, let's say it means, uh, my favorite word would be futile, futile or futile. Um, the vanity of their what? Can you see it? Let's, here we go. The vanity of their mind. All right. So walk not as other Gentiles in the vanity of their mind. All right. That opens, the, of course, the whole discussion about the change that has to come. Uh, we're experiencing, by the way, the, the ancient Gentile lack of God uh, and, and their, their aimlessness and you know, like worship. For example, if you worship, you know, thousands and thousands of gods, is that meaning, meaningful? Who is God if there are thousands of gods? And, of course, the, the Hindus would say, uh, well, this is how that works and so on. And, and, and of course, uh, if you are a un, let's say a non-religious person, you don't believe in God, let's say, for example, that illustrates this business of the futile so that we're, our culture today is suffering from uh, I, I don't mind the word vanity, but I'm going to keep saying futile. The futileness of the mind is what sin brings. Is everybody still with me? The futileness of the mind so that you can say in your mind, I might as well just kill this person. I need their money. That's a that's a futility. That is an that is a a, 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 a sin just literally destroying the individual. Now, look at how it keeps going. Having what the under standing darkened so they, they can't comprehend. Don't you realize you're, like, for example, we're killing babies in the womb. We call it abortion. And, and you try to tell them, that's a child in there. Oh, well, you know, just a child. Uh, and it, it's like they can't get it. Being alienated from the life of God, uh, on and on and on. Let, let's, um, well, I, don't, I can't skip it because there's a key word here. Uh, uh, because of the blindness of their heart, notice now we've had, let's look at it. I'm trying to hurry. Uh, here we go. Uh, here we have the word mind. Here we have the word. Uh, <laughs> where is blindness of the heart in that? Uh, through the blindness of their heart. So, but of course, the heart and the mind are the same thing. Your mind and your heart, this, your, your 
the deepness of your heart is what goes in through your brain and it's filtered into your soul. You're not just a dog that died. And I'm not, I'm not against, uh, you're not just an animal. I don't want to offend anybody here. That you're just going to die in dust and that's the end of you. You, have, you are a living soul. You have a heart. You have a soul. You have a, you have a spirit. And so it is that the mind or the inner person, you couldn't find. For example, let's think of all the things that you know, but they're deep in your mind or in your heart. No one can touch them. You can't get a screen and see your heart. If you get something and you see your physical heart, you're seeing uh, something like, you know, whatever, the beating of the heart. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the inner person. And holiness, I'm going to say it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach it. Holiness has to come from your heart. You can't get a book and memorize what you should do. No, it has to come from your heart. Now, then he says, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, see, the, the King James there, I could have done differently, although I did put the ESV at the bottom. Now, notice that we're right here to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, see, that's almost unintelligible unless we understand either the Greek words behind it or in some way are following the way this has been unfolding. So this word here is certainly unique, but I've given you its translation to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, that's a con uh, that is the, the conjoining of two words that is uh, extremely unusual to have greed, let's say greedy uncleanliness. I'm hoping that you're following. Does anybody understand what I'm trying to point out here? That just put the words greedy and unclean together is unusual in this. That's, of course, 400 years ago. That's the way they translated that. But it literally means, and I'm going to go with the ESV, every kind that and there, of course, is your greedy. In other words, all of it, someone, for example, let's say there's a, a steak and you eat every bite and the person next to you is starving and you don't give them any. Is that greed? You're not sure? <laughs> okay. Uh, no, of course you are. You don't, you're, you're thinking, I never heard that example before. Okay, so greediness means that you're taking all of it. You want it all for yourself. And But to link that up with the word immorality, or in this case, translated unclean, which I don't mind it being translated unclean, but it's not got a thing to do with you need to get, uh, what's that new stuff you use? Uh, awesome or, okay, awesome. It's got not got a thing to taking um, some kind of cleaner and wiping something off. It's talking about moral impurity. And so it is every kind. In other words, you 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 are literally consumed then. And that's our culture, a culture that is. Has completely lost its way. No wonder they don't begin to understand how to start walking on the road. To righteousness before God. Well, the first step on the path and how many can see there's a path under there. I, I got to go. I got way too carried away, but there's a path. And, and that the path of righteousness is begins in the heart of the believer that says, I want to be the bride of Christ. 
I want to be like him. Anybody want to be like the Lord? I want to be like him. I want to walk with him. I want to please him. I don't want to bring things into my life that he's not pleased with. I don't want to destroy people's spiritual, uh, my, my children or whatever. I want to live in a spiritual way. That, my friend, is holiness. Now, it affects how you dress and talk and everything, but it is the, the lifestyle that you choose to live. That's why I put out here the word lifestyle. The minute it consumes everything you're doing, that's a lifestyle, all right? And holiness must be, listen, you don't have to like it. Holiness has to be a lifestyle, and it has to be taught. And you can say you shouldn't be dressing that way. That is not modest. The Bible says, and there's the verse. You say you want to please God. There's the verse. Why would you be immodest? Someone said, well, because I'm going to be made fun of or whatever. Well, then, then deal with that. Come back and then find a way to be modest. And no matter how you're struggling, and everybody in this room struggles because of the world that we're in, you may, whatever it may, maybe it's greed, maybe it's, the way you dress, maybe it's your money or something. People struggle with doing the right thing. But how many knows that in the end, we can be holy in the end. We can please God. Praise God. Now, all the rest of it, I've got to hurry. I've got to keep going. I'm going to check one more time. Okay. Uh, We're not doing really great, are we? Okay, I, I only got a few more minutes. All right, so if you can't tell, listen to me. This is talking about the path of holiness. You're wondering, am I walking on the path of holiness? If you can't tell the difference between the lifestyle you're living and the world that you're in, you're not walking a path of holiness. Holiness is separation to righteousness. It'll be reflected in everything that you're doing. In other words, you will become, uh, I don't want to say the word greedy, but you will become consumed by holiness and the things of God. Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and thank him for it? Father, I want to be what you want me to be, and I want to live the way you want me to live. All right? Uh, what, uh, da, 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 da. Let me see how many more I have. One, two. Okay. We're almost there. We're almost there. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how much time I have, but let's. I'll just pretend I don't know. Here we go. So guard your heart and mind. Holiness means that you're beginning to work on your heart. Now, evil begins in the heart as holiness begins in the heart. Both eventuate in a lifestyle based upon the decisions of the heart. If you're going to live holy, you have to determine you're going to live holy. For example, if you have a television, if you own a television, I've never owned a television in my entire life. All right, I do not watch it. I do not use it and, and all the rest of it because of my choices. But if you're going to own one, you better make sure you are doing the things that are commiserate with holiness. I'm not going to let anything, I'm not going to let some movie star, because they can tell jokes or because they're handsome or beautiful, lure me into a lifestyle that's ungodly. This is especially powerful on young people. Not so, maybe oh, Hollywood, of course, but one of the biggest draw for young people, music, draws them in. It begins in the heart. And so you have to make a decision. You might want to go home, take some of that, take that music and just get rid of it. Say, is that is that person's life pleasing to God? And should I be listening to that kind of singing about that? And so forth. So holiness is the power to abandon the sinful lifestyle that's all around us in order to walk in a godly lifestyle of the spirit.
That's what holiness is. I want to I wanna live the way he wants me to live. I want to do what he wants me to do. All right, now here we go. We're almost, this is it, last one. Put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Everyone say mind. There it is. And that ye put on the new man. Everyone say new man. So there's an old man. It's symbolized in this picture. I found this is actually a book, but I, I, I hid the author's name. <laughs> I very cleverly hid the author's name. But uh, the reason I used it is because you see the one man, the new man, has a Bible. His hands are folded. He's praying. The other man is bound, and it's, uh, it's signified by the, by the uh, handcuffs. So the old man and the new man. The old man is the sinful man. The new man is walking in holiness. That's what it's all about. So you become a new man. Now, I know you can't see it. This is my last one. I'm, I'm going to step out of the way. And this is from a translation paraphrase called the message. Some people call it the M MSG, and that's okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was translated by one fellow by the name of uh, Peterson, who's out like in Oregon or somewhere. And he's uh, kind of a well-known writer, but he also knows Greek and Hebrew and so on. He's an interesting translator. So I want to read his translation of these verses that we just talked about. But that's no life for you, talking about the Christian. You learned Christ. Now, I'm, I'm actually reading what you can. <laughs> oh, help us, Lord. Um, I'm reading this right here. All right, even though you can't see it, it's kind of hard to see. I, I, I couldn't get the sign. By the way, I don't think there's an actual sign that says new life, old life. I don't know. Somebody did this, and I found it, and I, I'm using it. All right, so if you're living the new life, you're going one way. And if you're living the old life, you're going the other way. That's the difference. If you're wondering what the difference is, you're going two different directions. So my assumption is, see, I'm, I'm reading here. Let me see if I can read it up here. My assumption is that you have paid. <laughs> Hold on. Do I have, I must be out of time. No, I, I still have a minute. Here we go. All right. Uh, that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside instead of the outside, and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you.